Welcome, everyone. I wanted to talk to you today about a very important topic, and um, I get this question sometimes. Can spiritual healing help with overcoming addiction, with healing addiction? Um, and um, first of all, I want to say that um, addiction is part of everybody's experience. It's a human experience, first and foremost. And we will all, without exception, encounter addiction. One of my teachers says that addiction is a part of everybody's experience, but recovery is not. And what do I mean by addiction being a part of everyone's experience? Well, some addictions are very benign, so to speak, or don't reach full force, for example, um, I don't know, being addicted to Netflix or um, uh, crisps or chips, right? Um, or um, addiction to chocolate or sugar um, can be destructive. Um, sugar addiction can lead, of course, to many health issues in the long run, uh, can be potentially deadly, can be addiction to shopping, for example, um, or addiction to coffee. Um, some addictions, we like to, you know, put them on a scale, so some of them seem more benign than others. Um, the addictions that I just mentioned, um, as opposed to, for example, heroin addiction, right, or um, addiction to alcohol um, can be, um, will be uh, deadly and destructive in, in most cases, um, addiction to nicotine. Um, but the essence is that you know, for some people, um, their addictions are more manageable. For some, they spiral out of control. Even something as, uh, you know, seemingly benign as addiction to shopping can be as bad as, as gambling and uh, can um, play out in uh, your finances and take away your focus from what you really want to achieve in life and so on. Um, and uh, there are people who can manage their addiction to even alcohol, for example. There, you can't manage an addiction to heroin or opium. Uh, but there are some uh, gray zones and in-betweens. And there are some addictions that seem, at least on the surface, to be harmless. Um, and very kind of, you know, human, oh, almost jokingly, you could say, well, I'm addicted to coffee, I can't stop drinking coffee, but if you only drink two cups a day, it's not really a deadly addiction that, uh, that you have unless uh, you are completely, you know, your doctor, for example, prescribes you to completely get rid of caffeine, and then you recognize that it was an addiction because it's very difficult to kick the habit. But still, it's um, it's easier than dealing with some other addictive substances. Sugar addiction uh, is extremely difficult uh, to kick, actually. Uh, sugar is uh, very addictive. Um, uh, withdrawals last for about two weeks with horrible headaches and so on. So... Um, 
rather than you know classifying the severity um, we can all say that okay well addiction is a part of human experience it's part of being human uh, being in a human body we feel disconnected from the source from our souls and that is the root of addiction it's not a disease of the body so much as it is a disease of the soul um, meaning that it's a symptom of disconnection but yet at the same time addiction is a human experience it is a specifically human experience souls don't have addictions unless they were in a human body before um, but addiction can and will leave a mark on a soul uh, that is not purified and that's addictions uh, meaning that's what keeps people keeps souls stuck to earth in some cases but the root of addiction is the experience of disconnection um, an addict is looking to fill up with the divine in all the wrong ways is looking to reconnect to their souls in all the wrong ways wrong path looking to fill themselves up with what doesn't fill up and so you need more and more and more and the real the real substance that fills you up is the divine Right, is the connection to source but because so many of us feel disconnected from source um, we try to fill up with food alcohol drugs smoking relationships that's another very powerful addiction uh, love uh, relationships codependency is an addiction to relationships it all is a replacement for God so ultimately the root of addiction is spiritual and that's why all 12-step programs focus on finding a higher power and having a spiritual awakening recognizing that without it it's actually impossible to kick any habit because every addictive habit is a symptom of feeling dis disconnected from source, of feeling a lack of spiritual connection. So back to my original question, can spiritual healing help overcome addiction? And what do the Akashic Records say about it? Can the Akashic Records help overcome addiction? So the answer is twofold, really. Um, of course, because addiction is ultimately a symptom of disconnect from our souls, of disconnect from the source, the short answer would be yes. Because what you are really looking for is a spiritual connection. So if spiritual healing has the effect of you reconnecting to your soul, of you experiencing the state of bliss, 
of connection, of receiving the divine grace, of experiencing, you know, that infilling with spirit, then it will have the effect of liberating you from addiction. But there is another side of the answer, and it's important to remember that addiction is a human experience. It is a specifically human experience of humans living in the body. And so it has a very important human component because from the 3D perspective, and we cannot deny it in this case, in fact, it's very dangerous to approach addiction as only a spiritual issue. From the human perspective, addiction is a symptom of feeling disconnected from humanity, from the human path, from the human experience. And that's why I feel for many sensitive souls, for many evolved souls, addiction is a serious challenge and they have had to overcome it on their path of spiritual awakening. Whatever kind of addiction it may be, it doesn't have to be something deadly or very dramatic, uh, like heroin, for example, that I mentioned before, right? But it will be a component that most of you have probably struggled with or are struggling with and it's an indicator that something is missing, something is disconnected, there is some form of disconnect between you and the divine but also between you and other people. Um, and healing addiction, um, if you know, uh, is focused on group work so their meetings, uh, the most well-known, the most popular, the 12-step meetings, they were adapted from their original Christian background, <coughs> the AA, uh, that began, you know, were started by Christians, uh, but were um, very non-denominational, um, such and only, you know, required to connect to their higher power. Um, the 12-step meetings based on the original AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, were adapted by yogis, by, uh, you know, atheists, by people on different paths, but um, they all required connecting to that higher power, but the other element was group work, being in a group, going to meetings, so as not to feel isolated. So I can tell you with 100% certainty, based on my experience, that spiritual healing, any type of healing, uh, be it, uh, you know, past life work or energy healing, um, it will not be enough unless you find a community to connect with because addiction is a symptom of disconnection and not just spiritual disconnection. This spiritual disconnection plays out very tangibly, very, um, you know, embody, embodied in the 3D world. And it plays out as feeling disconnected from other people. The root of addiction uh, can be childhood trauma, can be chemical, can be, you know, uh, having uh, uh, 
let's say being born with a chemical um, addiction, for example, having alcoholic parents or uh, other substances that were, you know, have, having predisposition um, in the energy, in the uh, endocrine system and in the body, predisposition to being addicted towards, you know, certain substances and so on. Um, so the roots can be complex, um, but overcoming it cannot be separated from the physical aspect, from the human aspect. In fact, I believe that this separation between the spiritual and the human is very often what keeps the addiction going. It's this isolation that causes us to believe that, okay, this is one spiritual world, which is good and wonderful, and this is the human world where I don't fit in. So in order to fit in, I will drink or I will smoke or I will, you know, relax using, um, um, I don't know, painkillers or uh, some, some other medication, self-medicate with something because I don't feel like I fit in with people. But in the mind, there is separation between the physical and the spiritual and thinking, oh, I don't need other people. I'll just go and find a spiritual healer who can, you know, fix me and somehow make everything magically disappear. It doesn't work. And I can say with certainty from personal experience and from, you know, the experience of others that it will never work, most likely that it doesn't work to separate your daily human life, which includes other people, from your spiritual life. In fact, the two are connected. So healing from addiction, it needs to include a human element. That's why they say, you know, in AA and other 12-step programs, they say start with meetings. Go to a meeting every day, not start with prayer or start with a spiritual practice on the list of priorities meetings are first because your spiritual practice may lapse your you may not feel like praying or you will oversleep your time your quiet time or whatever it is you do for your spiritual practice but at least make sure you drag yourself to a meeting because that's where you will get inspiration and the energy from others to motivate you to continue your spiritual practice. But on the list of priorities, meetings come first because most um, of those who are struggling with addiction and recognize they can't overcome it, they're going it, going alone, they're doing it on their own. And of course, they feel more and more discouraged. But the whole purpose of the experience from the human perspective is not to do it alone, is to counteract that isolation with connection. And without an experience of connection, that's my firm belief, without an experience of connection, we cannot overcome addiction. It's impossible. It may go on for, you may be clean for whatever it is, a week, a month, two months, but then if you still feel disconnected, you will relapse. That's guaranteed because there is nothing to replace it with. And 
for humans, as long as we are in the body, only connection can replace um, addictive behaviors, can replace that emptiness that started, you know, put you on the path in the first place. So without connection, it's really impossible to overcome it. So I would say then to expand on the answer, like, you know, can spiritual healing help overcome addiction? Um, I would say it can be very helpful to overcome addiction, but it will not take you where you want to be without connecting with other humans. So finding a support group is crucial, and it's the first aspect, the first element, the first step in starting to, in even, you know, contemplating to start getting rid of addictions. Without connection to real living human beings, it will be impossible. You know how they say we are the sum total of five people we interact with most often? This applies to healing addiction as well. So if you want to, for example, stop smoking and you always hang out around smokers, it will be more difficult, right? If you are an alcoholic and want to stop drinking, but you keep going to the same pub where you always went, well, you might last for a week, two weeks, three weeks, and then what is going to happen when there is a challenge? What is going to happen when you're fired from your job, when the love of your life have left you, when, um, when something throws you off balance and you're still sitting in the same pub with the same old friends? What is going to happen next? Right. So this element of... Um, being affected by other people in our lives. It has an energetic component, yes, and it's also a very practical component. So to change our lives, we very often need to change our circle of friends. And that's also a reality, and we can't spiritually bypass and just say, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just going to be positive and think happy thoughts and send everyone love, light, and sparkles, and it's going to be Great. And I, I, I've been making this mistake very often in my life as well. I just thought I would, you know, I would go it alone. I'll, I'll do this by myself and it doesn't matter where I am and who is around me. And um, it doesn't work this way, no matter what it is. Because feeling isolated um, in whatever it is we are struggling with only intensifies the struggle and only makes things worse. So you end up constantly thinking, you know, about what you are giving up rather than filling up with something else. So um, work with addiction, it will always have a twofold component. One will be human interaction, overcoming isolation, because ultimately an addiction, any addiction is a disease of isolation. Of disconnection. Does it include disconnection from source, from God, from higher self, any higher power, as they say? Yes, of course. 
So it's a twofold component, but it starts with recognizing that we have felt disconnected from other human beings, that we didn't feel we belong. And that is characteristic, right? That's the issue of many sensitive souls that, oh, we were born and we felt, what am I doing here? So actually sensitive souls, more so than anyone else, have this predisposition to fall into addiction of any sorts. So then, this being said, the work of overcoming addiction has to have those two sides of the same coin, two elements that work together, never separate. So I think the main challenge for an addict is to actually start coming into greater wholeness, overcome this separation, overcome this isolation, recognizing that the spiritual is deeply integrated into the physical that if i feel separated from other people if i feel isolated that also means that my soul feels isolated that my soul is disconnected it if i feel isolated from people if i feel i can't connect to people then maybe my spirituality is just an illusion or a work of my imagination, but it's not a real, practical, lived spirituality, because true spirituality is connected. True spirituality, you know how in, in the um, New Testament, in the Christian Bible, um, uh, the beloved disciple John writes in one of his uh, letters that Whoever doesn't love his brother doesn't love God. There is, there is no separation between connecting to people and connecting to God. It's if, if he doesn't love his brother and says he loves God, then he's daydreaming. That's an illusion. That's, that's a lie. That's uh, you know a lie we tell to ourselves that, oh yes, I'm very spiritual, but I hate people, right? I only, only love animals. People are dumb, and I don't want to meet people, and I don't want to have anything to do with them. Um, so, and of course, addiction will be a sign um, for sometimes a very dramatic sign that, oh, something is wrong, that I've become disconnected. And now I have to reconnect to myself, to my soul, to the divine. I have to be conscious. I have to go back to consciousness and to make conscious choices and conscious decisions rather than act out of my subconscious all the time and not rec recognize why I'm doing things. And I have to reconnect to other people. And of course, I have to choose my friends and my connections wisely. Who do I want to surround myself with? For some people, fighting addiction meant even changing their homes, changing their workplace, changing where they live, where they go, where they socialize. At least for a few years until they, you know, found they were strong enough, or maybe they lost interest in the old places of work and socializing and, you know, being. 
But some people have had to change their lives dramatically to be free, uh, such as, for example, in the case of um, addiction to alcohol, right? People have stopped going to pubs and bars, and stopped uh, even entering alcohol aisles and, and supermarkets and so on to change their lives completely, find new friends in the support group that they were attending, found a sponsor, found people who were on the same path, who shared the same struggles, the same interests, um, and who could support one another. And again, support is a two-way street. Um, you receive support, but in order to continue healing, you also need to give to help someone. So that's another way of working with addiction because it is so much a disease. Any addiction is a disease of disconnection, of isolation. So finding a support group means that, yes, people can help you, but you feel important, valued, and connected when you help other people. Even if it means saying something in a meeting and you see it encourages another person or another person agrees with that and says, wow, that is very important. And suddenly you feel that you've done something useful today, done something big, because for many addicts who have given up on themselves, they feel like, you know, life doesn't really have a purpose. I'm completely useless. So, you know, what's uh, what's the point? I'll just kill myself slowly drinking or doing drugs or whatever, or pretending that, uh, you know, I'm in a relationship. Um, and um, this connection, helping people, being helped, it raises up that vibration to also gratitude. Gratitude for being um, lis listened to, for being needed, um, for being important, and gratitude for the work of others. Um, and so without this human element, without the practical application, of spiritual principles, it's impossible to kick an addiction. So when people ask me, will the work that I do help them overcome an addiction, I say it can be helpful, but without a support group, I don't think you will manage. So if you have a support group, if you attend meetings, if you have some sort form of a community, then yes, absolutely, because my work is about reconnecting with your soul and also clearing soul-level blocks and obstructions and learning how to connect with spirit on your own. So yes, absolutely, this work can be helpful because it clears spiritual-level blocks. But if you think that you can just come to a session and it will magically liberate you, and you can just continue living as you always lived, doing the same old things again, then no, it's not going to help you. Nobody's going to help you, because you'll just, if you don't change anything in your lifestyle, how, how, what do you expect? You'll just fall back into the same old routine. Energy healing will last maybe for a day, two, maybe for a week. At tops, two weeks. That's maximum. 
and after that you'll be back to the same old thing what what can you expect because you live in the physical body in the time space reality and you can't just pretend it will stop existing that now you've come to a spiritual healer they cleared everything and magically my life will be transformed well it hasn't happened so far <laughs> i don't know anyone to whom it happened who came to a healer hasn't done anything to change their lives just said some mantras and extra prayers and then somehow their lives were magically transformed no i don't know that person so a transformation of physical reality it has to happen in the physical and it takes a lot of work everything in the physical takes a lot of work some addictions require a rehab treatment an active medical detox some um, spiritual experiences um, are unique i know of one person um, he lived in oslo at the time in norway and he was a heroin addict who um, converted to christianity had a conversion experience so he came to believe in jesus in an evangelical um, christian environment and um, he was sharing that he actually stopped using drugs and he locked himself up in the house and had um, withdrawal and um, liberation from addiction alone at home just with jesus it's unique uh, many would have probably not survived um, he credits jesus for that experience and he was still going through withdrawal for a week or two however long it took um, and it was nasty withdrawal from heroin is is not fun uh, so it wasn't like he had no no symptoms and just miraculously walked away no but he was alone like he did not go to a rehab or a treatment facility he was on his own through the experience but then of course after he survived that he was a part of a community because he went to an evangelical christian church so he attended church several times a week and he connected with his um, uh, you know support group the whoever you know they were friends or evangelists every day so he was sharing that experience and as i said it's unique but again it still involves those physical components the withdrawal was was still quite real because jesus or no jesus he still lived in the physical body and it wasn't that he was somewhere on the mountain he saw jesus oh, miracle uh, and that's it and he stayed alone on the mountain fed by the dew from heaven no he was he had a community and that's what kept him going so spiritual experiences spiritual um, downloads revelations grace of god is always very real divine grace works in everybody's life and we've all had maybe several times in our lives that divine grace where things just leave things just disappear for example when i was 16 17 i had chocolate addiction 
I could not live without chocolate for a day. I would eat one bar of chocolate, like a hundred grams of chocolate one day, in, in one go, I mean, one bar of chocolate a day, so a hundred grams a day. And I couldn't live without it, I just couldn't. I tried everything, I, uh, I prayed, I uh, uh, tried not to buy it, but by the end of the day I would still go out. Uh, I was teaching um, English to kids at the time, you know, in my uh, spare time, because I was still at school and living with my parents, but that money I would spend on chocolate. Why? Because I couldn't stop. Um, and uh, so it lasted, I don't know, for how long, for a year or two. Um, and then one day it was just lifted. You know, I was, um, I was praying at the time, and I was also a part of a spiritual community. At the time it was um, a kind of Lutheran, um, Calvinist uh, church. Very, a very nice community, actually. Um, and um, something shifted, and I was completely liberated, also by divine grace. Um, and it's quite funny, actually, because now... Um, I don't like anything sweet. <laughs> I don't order desserts. Um, I don't um, use sugar. Like I have sugar that I use to make kombucha. And um, I, I stopped making it for about a year. And now I started again. So the sugar I have in a jar is probably about three years old. But I never touched it. And I even have stevia. Uh, for some like lemon uh, drinks or whatever, but it's also very old because I don't like sweet taste. So I don't use sweeteners either. And I just don't like anything sweet. So it's actually really funny. And maybe about once or twice a year, I will think, oh, I want to have an ice cream or I want to have a, um, whatever, cheesecake. Um, and usually I want to get more than I actually manage to eat. So I do have my moments of eating sugary things, but it's, it happens very rarely. It, it would be an exception, not the rule. But normally I don't... Uh, you know, you can bring me a cake, you can bring me a bar of, of chocolate, and I'll eat a piece. If it's very dark, I, I might eat two pieces. And I usually buy 99% uh, chocolate, uh, but it also stays in my fridge for, for a month because I eat it very rarely. Um, I love cocoa. It is an amazing superfood, so sometimes I add it in my smoothies, but with a banana instead of sugar. Um, cocoa is incredible as long as you don't mix it with, uh, with sugar and, and milk and so on. Um, but the point of, of this sharing is that, yes, these addictions, they are lifted by divine grace. Uh, but it takes work still. It takes active work. In my case, it was um, attending that... Um, a Christian community. It was, of course, wanting to be uh, liberated, and it was self-inquiry. That's how these things are worked through. It was, um, I remember uh, there was a series at the time in, the, in that church uh, where the pastor uh, called the series uh, The Anonymous Sinner, where he viewed sin as pretty much an addiction missing the mark, where, you know, we want to do something good, but we fail to do it. So his question in the series was why? Uh, 
and he approached it from a Christian perspective, um, but a lot of those truths are universal. And so he had those, um, you know, series of working through, again, the ego dynamics, the inner child dynamics, and so on. So ultimately, the process is the same. It doesn't really matter which, which religion or... It's, it's a universal... Uh, inner work and self-observation, seeing, you know, where you're missing the mark, where uh, where you are trying to fill up the emptiness with something other than the divine. That's ultimately what addiction is. Um, so can a spiritual he healing help and assist in these situations? Absolutely. Healing shame, healing, you know, self-hatred, just feeling lighter and better and cleaner after a spiritual healing session, recognizing the truth of who you are as a soul, that you are not cast out from divine presence or something is wrong with you or it's bad karma or it's punishment or, you know, my soul took on a vow of... Uh, whatever, alcoholism, I don't know, we can sometimes create very strange stories about ourselves. Spiritual healing can help clear all that and make you feel amazing. But without a community and daily inner work and daily time of connection to you to, and to use the 12-step language of connection to the higher power, it will be useless. It will be absolutely useless. It will help you and then you'll fall back. It will help you and you'll fall back. Spiritual healing together with your own efforts and together with community, the right community of people who walk the same path as you do, um, maybe just a spiritual community or an actual 12-step community, then it will be perfect. Then you have 99% chances of overcoming your addiction and staying addiction-free for the rest of your life. With spiritual healing, it will be a roller coaster. You'll go up, you'll go down, and you'll go to another healing session, you'll go up, and then you'll go down, you'll go to another healing session. And a healer, unfortunately, cannot change your life for you, cannot make choices for you, cannot go to meetings for you, cannot meditate or pray for you, cannot do yoga for you. You have to do it yourself. <laughs> That's the frustrating part about it, I know. But that is, in my experience, the only thing that actually works and so it's an illusion that our egos create and love to believe that somehow, you know, those are all different spheres. There is the spiritual me, there's the social me, there is the workplace me, there is the home me, there is the addicted me. They are all different people. They are somehow all disconnected. And then, of course, when I come home and I have all of these things crying for attention, I panic. I want to forget everything and get a drink because I can't handle life. Well, of course I can't handle life because it's so disparate, it's so disconnected. 
and everything is screaming for attention. So I'm running around in anxiety and anger and, you know, sheer terror because I have no idea who I am anymore and I have no strength left within me. I have no, no power, no energy, no anything. Of course, I don't have anything because I'm disconnected. Because all of the spheres of my life are disconnected. And somehow I imagine that, you know, wow, I'm this great spiritual being. All of these are just blocks and obstructions and whatever, evil eye and karma and God punishing me. And that's that's there. So if someone could just get rid of them, right, then I would be me and I would be this great shiny being of light and love with a mission to save humanity. And it does not work like that. It simply does not. So this spiritual pride or spiritual ego is also a symptom of disconnection. It's actually covering up for shame and, you know, feeling isolated and lonely. And so we love to create the story that, well, you know, I'm someone special who is going to save the world and uh, and have this unique mission. And, <laughs> and somehow instead of saving the world, we go for that other piece of chocolate cake or, you know, another bottle of wine or whatever it is. Uh, and uh, and fail again, and then wake up in the morning, think, oh, you know, oh, how how did this happen? I failed again. I'm horrible. I'm such a horrible person. I have no willpower. I have no strength. I need to have another drink, right, just to forget it all. And so it goes on and on and on, and it will go on like this until the end of your life, because the same pattern. It will just perpetuate itself. So the ego, it loves to create stories, especially about specialness and, you know, how unique I am and how how wonderful I am. Um, so before I finish, this is actually a topic for another a podcast, I think, but I was just reading today um, some comments on an ad um, and it was... Um, and I think it's remotely related to this where, you know, someone, and the topic was about soulmates, and someone says that, well, a person can have more than one soulmate in their lives. Um, it was actually about drawing a soulmate. So someone commented, but a person can have more than one soulmate in their lives, right? And the answer is, was yes, but only one twin flame. And then someone else comments, Soulmates come and go. We have more than one soulmate in our life. Kind of those voices of reason, like, come on, people. Soulmates come and go. We have more than one soulmate. Don't get stuck up on the, you know, I will draw your soulmate. What, what, what is this? Are you going to wait for that person forever now? Are you going to look for them on the street, go around with a picture? Like, you know, chill, go out a bit, talk to people. You'll find someone. And the reply is, true. Of course it's true. And what people should try to find is their twin flame. And I think <laughs> that's how our ego works oftentimes. Because I think if, if I answered to these people, no, no, no. We have more than one twin flame. Do you know? I have two. And if they believed me somehow... 
if I said it was enough authority and enough proof and whatnot, what do you think would happen? What do you think would be next? Because then if you can have two twin flames, well, that's, that's not good enough. Then we have to find something else, right? So then there will be another invention. Oh, no, twin flames are old thing. No, we should look for, I don't know what, uh, something, something, you know, another flame. Um, and I think the, that's how the ego works oftentimes, right? It does not want to accept reality. It doesn't just want to live. What, what am I just going to go out and talk to people? <laughs> no, 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 no. I have to look for my twin flame. No, 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 no. I don't want soulmates. No, no, no. I don't want to go to meetings. What are the meetings are for those other people, simple people, not very intelligent people. You know, they are whatever. They use heroin or something. Me, me, I, I, I just eat chocolate every day. Well, I'm, I'm perfect. No, 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 no. No, I need to go to a spiritual healer who will help me be perfect in one session. You get the idea, I think. Um, and that's ultimately the point, that, that pride again and this sense of uniqueness, it's only a cover, it's an image that we have created in order not to go deeper, in order not to look at the truth of it, how disconnected we actually feel, how alone we actually feel, how miserable, ashamed we feel. To accept it, to live with it, to walk with it. But in order to do that, we need the support of a community. We cannot go it alone. True changes, true transformations always happen in groups. In fact, there was so much research on brainwashing, so-called brainwashing, uh, where people were, you know, locked in um, isolation. They were shown videos, uh, you know, with flashing scenes, repeating, with um, sentences, uh, with subliminal messages. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. They could, you can't brainwash a person like what we understand by brainwashing. You can't force someone to change their mind about anything. The only way brainwashing really happens, where you take a person and you change their thoughts, change their view of reality, change their beliefs, make them, you know, throw out things that don't align with what they now believe, is in a group. Yes, it is by serving controlled news, controlled information by telling particular things over a long period of time, but it would take years. But true, quick, powerful change, for better or for worse, it only happens in a group, and in a group it happens very quickly. Maybe if you lock someone up in a prison and show them only one side of reality, only one particular, you know, news, type of news, of course they will eventually come to believe it because they will not read any other news, but will they be brainwashed? Most likely not, because when they go out and they hear all kinds of different information, they will quickly understand their view of reality was just very narrow, right? So it will be true 
inner change, it happens in a group. So brainwashing as such in our strict term, it doesn't exist really. There is no research to prove it conclusively, but um, brainwashing can and does occur in groups. That's why, you know, all those socialist countries and all the militarist uh, organizations, they love marching so much and, you know, communities sleeping in communal barracks, cults, all, you always go everywhere together, you sleep together, you eat together, you exercise together, and God forbid you stay alone for even five minutes because it's dangerous. If you start thinking, it's dangerous. But do do everything together that's that's the brainwashing aspect of it but for positive change we also need people because no matter what we think we can't we really can't do it alone so if addiction is an issue you are struggling with no matter what it is i encourage you to seek a community first of all to look within yourself and see how much how much you need change, how much you want change, and what kind of communities exist where you are. And then add the elements of spiritual healing, of personal practice, and so on on top of it. But prioritize being with people who follow the same path, who are struggling with the same issues as you do, being with those people every day if possible. And then spiritual healing will help, right? So I thank you so much for listening, and I hope this was helpful to you. I wish you all the blessings and more power and joy in your daily life.